Hello and welcome to episode three of our podcast, Life in Law, hosted by ACOM Recruitment in connection with the Swansea Junior Lawyer Division. I'm Michael Ives, Legal Recruitment Specialist. Today we have Katie Terry with us. Katie is an NQ family solicitor working with Peter Lynn and she's also the Charities Officer of the Swansea Junior Lawyer Division. Thank you for joining me. How are you? No problem. Um, yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, well, good. Thank you very much. Um, so I wanted to kick off really by asking you about your journey, essentially. So um, just how you just went from an LLB student to kind of where you are today. Um, so when I did the LLB, I was a student at Swansea University. So I became involved in kind of all the extracurricular things. I was on the Bar Society. Um, which is the Barrister Society equivalent, not the Drinking Bar <laughs> Society. Um, and they got involved with things like mock trials and they contacted local barristers firms. When we did it in my year, we were sponsored by ISCO Chambers. Um, so it was a really good networking opportunity. They also ran the networking dinner um, in the, I think it's the Dragon, and it's, it's changed every few years. It's, it goes between the Dragon and the Marriott. Yeah. Um, and that is essentially a really good opportunity for students to meet. Um, so a judge came, um, right. Judge Jarman attended one year, and um, Elwyn Evans, QC, who's now head of law school, attended. So it was a really good chance to, to meet various people. Um, and then when I went on to, I decided I wanted to become a solicitor, so I pursued my LPC. And that's when I got the knowledge of Swansea Junior Lawyers Division. I'd never heard of them before. Um, they were part of a talk that, that we did on the LPC. So they were holding um, an event and I, I just went along with a few people. Um, and it was some solicitors there um, who were newly qualified. And basically they were giving up cards and saying that they just wanted to help us along our journey. So I got my first set of work experience because because I'd worked all the way through my degree, hadn't really had any law work experience. So I panicked a little bit. Because you you always get told you're never going to get a job if you don't have any um any practical experience in a law firm. So I my LPC year kind of really wanted to focus on that and build up that build up my work experience. So yeah. um I met a solicitor um Kathy Jenkins who worked in Cameron Jones Heston Howe, mm -hmm. um who's actually become a good friend of mine through the LPC and this and this work experience a few years on. So she got me work experience in my LPC. Um, and then after that, a other member of the JLD got me work experience in Goldstone Solicitors in Swansea. So I went there for, um, for I did Monday and a Friday for a couple of weeks. Um, and basically it got to about February and April of my LPC year. Um, and I was looking for training contracts. So I did a Google search of every firm in South Wales and I pulled up every single firm and I emailed every single firm asking if they had any um, any vacancies. Um, a few responded and were really nice. I said, sorry, we're not looking. A few said, you know, send my send a CV and we'll keep it on record for when we are looking. Um, eventually I came across um, the firm that I eventually got my training contract at, which was JMP Legal. So the, oper the application process there was just CV and cover letter. So quickly got to work on doing my CV and cover letter um, and I sent it in and I eventually got through to the, to the interview round. Um, so what was that like? Oh, well, they, they, they asked me to attend about half an hour before. Oh really? Because I had to 
yeah they gave me scenarios to do okay. before i went in um, so I, had, I was given three scenarios. One was relating to a personal injury scenario. One was relating to a family scenario. And I think the other one was um, a criminal scenario with criminal law. And I had to write down all my answers in, on these scenario sheets before I went into my interview. Um, so I had to hand it in and I read it all before I went into my interview. And that was only with half an hour's notice? Yeah, yeah. So um, they told me to go for um, the. They told me to go up half hour early and just said, "Oh, you know, there'll be some scenarios." Um, and then when I went there, I didn't have any clue what the scenarios were going to be. Um, just went there and, and and kind of filled them in as much as I could. Uh, it was quite good actually because a lot of them were kind of procedure based and and law based. And because I was still on the LPC, it was quite fresh. Um, so I was able to kind of put down what what I knew. Um, then I went into the interview and I was interviewed by um, the training principal, the head of family and the head of personal injury and clinical negligence. They were lovely people to be interviewed by. They were, they were lovely, um, but they definitely tested my knowledge. <laughs> um, very much, you know, questions about what the procedure was. Um, I think one of my questions, for example, for so the training principal of, of that firm, was a criminal solicitor so she gave me a, a list and asked me whether they were intimate or non-intimate samples that could be taken at the police station so blood um, hair um, spit urine those types of things i had to say whether i thought they were intimate or non-intimate sample samples in definition with the law um, and then the family solicitor was asking me what factors were taken into account when considering um finances in divorce or you know pension house whether one of the parties um had given up work for the child and things like that um they also there was that big divorce case at the time um i think it was Irwin's case where she had been refused permission to divorce him so that was big at the time i went for my interview so they asked me a few questions around that just to check i was kind of keeping up with with what was going on um so that was really good. I remember I, I, they were lovely. And I remember thinking coming out of that saying, oh my God, I was not very good in that interview at all. Um, and I, I definitely didn't think I got it. Um, and then one day I was walking into uni for a criminal uh, seminar when they phoned me to tell me I'd been successful. So um, as you can imagine, I was skipping down the road. I was really happy. Um, so my LBC was due to finish that July, but because I hadn't had any experience actually working, they offered for me to go in as a paralegal. We were just coming up to the Easter holidays. So um, they asked me to go in for the Easter holidays full time. And then after the Easter holidays, I could just go in one day a week until my training contract started to get used to the firm and, and the way it worked. It was a really good system, actually. Um, and then when my LPC timetable allowed, I went up to two days in the firm and three days at uni. So by the time I started full time, I kind of knew the people, I knew the system, um, I kind of knew how it worked. Um, I got on well with my supervising solicitor. And so it was a much, I wasn't as nervous starting my training contract as I would have been. And what kind of work did you do? I worked with a family um, supervising solicitor mainly. So um, it was sorting out bundles um, to start off, do it. I, I was, sitting on some appointments with him um just 
you know, to get a feel for how we conduct the appointments. Um, I think one time I did a brief to council, I was reading records and doing chronologies. Um, it was just kind of stuff that could be picked up and, and dropped as and when I came into the office. Then when I started full time, that's when he really <laughs> cracked the whip then. I started doing all types of work. I was doing briefs and statements and applications. Um, so it was a really good process. So at the beginning of every day, I would go in to see my supervising solicitor and I would I'd knock on his door at 10 to 9 and I'd say, right, well, what do you want me to do? And he would give me a list of everything that needed to be done by me that day. Um, and I would go and do it. And if I had any questions, I'd go back to him. Um, and what he'd explain. And it was really good because if I hadn't done something before, he would say, I've got a similar one on this case. It's a precedent. So you can go onto this case and have a look. Um, so it was good guidance. So then when I go back to him then at the end of the day and just run through everything I've done. And if I hadn't done something to how he wanted it, he would sit down and explain to me why he would have done it that particular way. So uh, I found that really beneficial. And it was really good for my training. Um, and then a couple of months into my training, I became police station accredited. Yeah. Um, because my firm, yeah, my firm was um, a criminal firm as well. So I did my police station qualification um, a couple of a couple of months in, um, and after that I was on call then. Ah, so did they send you on your own to the police station? So the I I went and I watched two first, um, and then they watched me doing two, and then I had to write them all up and submit them to Cardiff University, and then I had to do five, but you could only do a certain level of crime, so you could you couldn't you could only do um, tribal either way or summary. You couldn't do indictable offences, so I couldn't do murder or um, GBH with intent and things like that. So I had to do five by myself. And then after that, when I got accredited, you could do anything. So I was out by myself, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, you know, with someone sitting opposite me, we've been sitting in custody for 12 hours. Um, so that was a deaf, that was deaf, it taught me a lot, definitely, um, because you're sitting in a police station opposite someone at three o'clock in the morning you can't ring anybody um because it's three o'clock in the morning um so you've learned to kind of get confident in yourself and kind of just trust in what you're saying you know you know that if, if they didn't think you'd be able to do it they wouldn't put you there um and yeah it was really good so it helped me build a rapport with clients and i learned how not just criminal clients then when i was dealing with family clients um it was it's transferable skills definitely and um, still because you, know, you get things thrown at you in the police station they don't really expect. Um, and you can go in preparing for one offence and you can go in and they'll say, well, he's been arrested for harassment, but there's also various other offences attached to it as well. So it's, it's definitely a learning curve and it's definitely an experience I'm grateful I had. Um, it's definitely given me the confidence to, to just speak to people and not worry so much, especially when I'm in court now. Um, when I'm in court, I, you know, you kind of worry that things are going to come at you on a curveball. But that experience taught me that it doesn't matter. Just take a deep breath. You can deal with it. You've got the skills to deal with it. Um, and it'll, it'll work out fine. So that kind of gave me the confidence. It's just the two o'clock in the morning things I didn't love. <laughs> um, yeah, coming home early in the morning. But I, I did, um, so the first part of my training contract, I did a split. So I did three days in family and I did two days in personal injury and clinical negligence alongside. And then I was just on call once a week. Um, the good thing about my firm was 
that they didn't do on call on the weekends. They put agents in on the weekends. There was only everyone call Monday to Friday, so it was quite nice. Um, so I feel quite lucky, yeah. Um, and then partway through my training contract, they felt that the split wasn't really... I was gaining knowledge in family and I was gaining knowledge in PI, but you don't really have the chance to get a lot of knowledge because you only need three days and then you have to pass a task on to somebody else. So they thought it'd be better to just go straight to family. So I went straight to family. Um, pretty much, I did a few bits of wills as well in between. Um, and I moved around the family departments then. So I did um, partly childcare and private divorce and child arrangements with my supervising solicitor. Then my supervising solicitor stopped doing divorce. So it was just childcare and private child. Um, and then I moved to the guardian department. So when guardians are appointed in child arrangements and care proceedings, I worked in that department. And then um, I went back to the childcare where I finished my training contract and I eventually qualified into, into that area. Okay, because I thought um, the training contract, it's quite formal where it's like four seats for six months. Is that not the case every time then? Or? Um, it it was kind of, they, they tried to do it so that you could get a bit of everything so that you could kind of decide where you like to practice and then you can spend maybe the last portion of your training contract just in that area because that's where you want to qualify into. Um, so I know with other trainees in that firm, um, they, one of them started off in, in family and then they have now moved to crime. So they have officially rotated them. Um, so I think the split was the trial in in my year, in my training contract year, and they and they don't think it worked. Um, so I don't think they've done the split again. I, you know, the three day, two day, um, they wouldn't do it again because it's good to get surface knowledge, but in terms of getting depth and all round knowledge of the yeah. entire process, um, it's not quite enough. So yeah. they haven't done it again. Yeah. So. Um, with and, and they've done it with another trainee there as well that I still keep in contact with. They've rotated them to a completely different department, so they are they are rotating them in a couple of months in a couple of month blocks. And um, but I love family, so I was quite happy to stay in family. And I moved around the family departments then. Were they quite supportive in the training contract, or do they kind of leave you to your own device to sort of sink or swim? Um. No, they were definitely supportive. So I I know that there were I, I got on very well with my supervising solicitor. Um so if I had any issues, I, I knew I could go to him. Um and with a training principal as well, um, you know, I've gone I, I went to her if I when I had issues. Um I was able to clarify things I didn't know. Um and you know, other, more often than not, if you can't find somebody senior to help you attitude in the firm was that other people on my level so there was I think there was four trainees at the time that I was there um, and then one of them qualified halfway through my training contract so there was a few of us of all kind of the same experience and they kind of help each other to to you know if, if you can't find the answer and there's no one senior in the office for for whatever reason they're out of court then they would try and help you so that was really good, and um, I felt supported by not just the not just the you know the supervised senior people, but the support staff and the secretaries, you know, who've been there for years and years and years and knows how everything works. Um, you know, they 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 were also supportive as well. So it was nice. Exactly. Yeah.
So now you've gone from obviously trainee, you know, and Q, what would you say is changing that sort of sense? Like, is your role changed quite substantially or is it the same thing or? Um, yeah, so before, I mean, I can still go, to, so I changed firms. Um, I, I work a little bit closer to home now. Um, and I can still go to, you know, if, I, if I'm stuck, um, I still, I say, well, I don't know if I've included everything in the statement. And I can email, you know, my my senior partner, and they'll check it for me, and it's completely fine. But I do find that the responsibility is very much mine now. And when you're a trainee, you can kind of, if you make a mistake, you can go to supervisor system and be, oh no, I've made this mistake. Um, and you know, they will kind of be like, right, I will take it on, I will sort it out. But this is what you do next time. Um, whereas now, that is me. <laughs> As me doing that i'm i'm the person who i need to try and sort it out so um and i mean i could i could run my cases before um but it's it's just a different type you know of, of responsibility running your cases you've been responsible for the finding dates and so you know he would give me my supervisor sister would give me an order and say can you diary diarize these dates for me and then he'd say to me right let's put this in this person in for this Whereas that's on me now. I'm doing all of those decisions, um, but that just that just comes with time. You know, it's I'm practicing it now, so I know when to start booking in appointments for statements I need to do, and I know how long I need to draft things now. So, you know, it's it's autonomy and being able to prioritize your own work. Whereas before, it was kind of being prioritized for me, and I was told what to do. So, and are there kind of different pressures now? Because I know obviously you have like billing targets and things like that. Is that more prevalent now yeah <laughs> yeah yes definitely um so in in my um previous firm that we didn't have billing targets we had time recording targets so we had to hit a certain amount of units every day um and that's all they monitored you know we had um, an accounts department who kind of took care of all the billing and so i never really saw that side of things um whereas now that's that's probably the thing that i struggle with now is doing all the work I need to do, but all the billing as well, <laughs> and getting all my targets and things like that. So um, it's just that extra kind of layer of, of billing and responsibility that you don't really get when you're a trainee. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's not just the work and the running the files and the code that you need to do. It is also all the, you know, make compliance stuff, making sure all your files have got ID, that you do regular file reviews on all of them and then you're doing billing on all of them and you regularly bill in and all your cost estimate are up to date and things like that so that's that's another added layer of, of what how the role has changed really oh, and that's that's interesting it's certainly a big pressure to put on your shoulders for sure so what does kind of <laughs> <laughs> what what does a um average day look like for family lawyer um so pre-covid um it would be get up go into the office i would check on all my emails that i i'd caught up on and that i come in overnight because a lot of people work well into the night so catch up on all of that um i keep a separate list so i have um a notes list on my ipad which i take in and i have on that list i have a list of everything i need to do on every single file um, so it's just one big list and I go through and I pick what I need to do that day um, and what needs to be done. So that's the first thing. The second thing, I then um, log on to the legal aid portal to check I've got any notifications and if I have what I need to do. Um, and then I will make a start on all the lists and then something will inevitably happen and the client will ring and a big issue will come up 
<laughs> and my day will kind of sometimes just go out the window and I have to do something urgent but you know those things happen um, and then post-covid now that now that we're in lockdown um, I decide whether or not I'm going to go into the office or I stay at home um, I log on and pretty much do exactly the same but at the same time as well I make a printing list of everything I need to print when I go back into the office um, so it's just a little bit of, of added layers and um, I've got a work mobile as well so my clients can contact me at home rather than going to the office and having to be diverted and do all those things so it's just an extra with COVID all our post goes earlier and um, we go to like half past two so if your stuff isn't there it doesn't go and um, so it's just an extra layer of, of things to think about um, and things like that and then obviously you're at home so you want to make a cup of tea all the time so it's just a little bit harder to do it from home sometimes. What kind of caseload is it you have? Is it sort of like private children and divorce or? Um, I don't do any divorce at all. Um, I managed to drop that when my supervising sister dropped that, which is good because I really don't like finances. I'm really not very good. Um, <laughs> so I, in my last firm, I predominantly did childcare. Um, so social services involvement. So I act for parents where they've been removed, the children have been removed from their care. Um, and that's mainly what I, I carrying on doing and I've got quite a lot of private child at the minute because childcare is quite quiet. Um, towards the middle of the year the local authorities stop issuing because it's coming up to their budgets <laughs> and then after a while they, the, the, the budgets get renewed and then they start issuing again. Um, so I'm doing private child work at the moment as well. So that's where parents are, are arguing about arrangements for the children. Okay and um, I, I take it you don't deal with any sort of legal aid kind of work at all? I'm pretty much the legal aid um, person in my firm. Um, all my, all, pretty much all my child arrangements ones are all legal aid. Um, I've got a few people who pay me privately, um, but all my childcare work and all my child arrangements work is pretty much legal aid funded, so it's all on legal aid rates. Um, and, and, and that's an extra layer of, you know, um, responsibility as well because you've got to make sure all the do all the documents are in and that everything's up to date and that the circumstances haven't changed and that you've got funding to cover every aspect of every hearing so it's just it's that as well so i my yeah my case is mainly uh, legal aid work yeah okay and how have things changed for you in light of covid have they been increased your workload or yes work's massively increased you've become really busy <laughs> um obviously you know, parents are concerned about uh, COVID and the arrangements and some don't agree with children going back and forth the properties, others do. Um, there's also issues where court orders are in place and parents are not complying with them in relation to COVID. And then there's also um, childcare issues because parent, you know, parents are now at home with children and thing, people who were managing. Obviously, COVID is a stressful time. Um, parents and if they were just about managing with the child going to school and being able to have that break then that's become obviously harder as well because there's now no crash no break unless you're a key worker so um you know, that's on the rise as well really interesting that's probably a great place to leave things this week um thank you so much katie for coming on the podcast it's hugely appreciated i think it was hugely beneficial to hear from katie's experiences as an nq it's very interesting to learn the benefits of joining organisations such as the JLD, which gives you strong network and opportunities to get that work experience that will separate you from the rest of the pack. 
it's very interesting to know that in training contracting in the future, like to get scenario-based questions. And it's good to hear about training contract as well and just to find out what family lawyer does day to day. I hope you enjoyed listening. We have plenty more guests lined up and we will have more content out soon. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening.